Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. This is Ethan speaking and once again joined by Elkin Beltry. Elkin, we are a day before game six and potentially the last game of the finals. We said the similar thing about um, the, on the pod going into game five, but here we are talking about game five and previewing game six. Elgin, uh, quite a night. Um, definitely a, a game that a lot of people are going to remember. Some iconic moments from Kawhi, uh, you know, Splash Brothers run as well. But yeah. ultimately, um, something that people are not going to forget, especially if his career uh, continues to ascend into like top 10 all-time type player, or if his career doesn't continue much after this. Uh, Kevin Durant's injury is going to loom large over this series as a whole. Yeah, that's just kind of one of those injuries that you you know it's going to cast a shadow not on this, not just on this series, but for the future in the NBA. I was I was hearing a lot of shows, and they one good point that was brought up is how much does this affect not just the series, but kind of like free agency, Kevin Durant's future. There's so many factors with one injury, and they're like, when's the last time that one injury? way too much. And then at the end of it all, it just sucks for Kevin Durant because as much people hate on him for going to the Warriors, his game is really nice. And he's been one of the best players in the league consistently. Yeah, there's that's yeah, there's there's not anyone better at offense than Kevin Durant. There might be equals, but there's no one just better. Yeah, Um, Yeah, like offensively he's and in the playoffs too, he was playing possibly his best basketball at the time. Yeah. I think you saw – I don't know if you saw the stats. He was averaging 35, and then he was in the 40, 50, 90 club as well before he went down. Yeah. People will be quick to forget that he was playing so well because we hopped on the Giannis train mm-hmm. with his dismantling of Boston. And then we switched that one up when that train lost its wheels. Right. And Ka- Kawhi was really good as well. So, like, obviously there's mm-hmm. there's there's plenty of best player – to go around or a conversation to go around since LeBron has, you know, um, retreated a little bit on that claim. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to bounce around a little bit. Um, Elkin, I just want to talk briefly about the fan reaction because it's gotten a lot of pub um, Mm -hmm. from people who are paid to react to these things. And I just want to share my reaction to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to take a pause for the cause on, you know, trashing Raptors fans because – Kevin Durant did get hurt, and it was apparent. But there was mm-hmm. a fast break dunk going the other way. So you can you can throw it up in the air and say, hey, there's a possibility that some people that were cheering and cheering very loudly were not fully aware of what happened to Kevin, yeah. thus not cheering his injury, cheering the fact that Serge Ibaka made a, a defensive and offensive play. Yeah, and I, that's one thing I know looking at that and – you saw some fans. I think I'm pretty sure one guy even got kicked out from the game. The one infamous guy in the replay, you see him waving his hand. The around. I'm pretty sure got kicked out of the game. I think more of the of the bad reactions to me were those who were not in the arena. Like they showed a few clips from a bar where people were watching it. Even Jurassic Park. I was trying to figure out the cheering because the cheering also too could have been for the fast break. But there are some yeah. area. No. For me, I'll, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say there's definitely some of that, but like I want to also. You know, no. criticize or you know, like the people, like the people who are like, "Hooray, he's out!" Like, I mean, that's no, that's no way to be. Obviously, uh, you don't know the severity of the injury. Yeah. Um, it's not like a football injury where we're taking him off mm-hmm. on a stretcher. Like, so there's there's not that shock factor of oh my goodness, ambulance time. Yeah, because um, I mean, when someone when someone ruptures an Achilles, 
you don't see that happening outside the body. You kind of see the guy mm-hmm. fall down. I mean, I've, I've seen him, Boogie, and Kobe Bryant tear their Achilles. Those are the three that I've seen, like, while watching their games, tear the Achilles. You don't really see them just – there's not much. I mean, there's the usual grabbing of the Achilles tendon. But yeah. I, think, I think what was worse, and this is a little, little tiny bit just on the Raptors fan, what was worse was them cussing out Stephen Curry's parents. That was probably worse on Raptors fans. I don't know if you saw that video clip. No, I missed that. That made them look a lot worse. Like they were flipping them off, a lot of F-bombs towards Steph Curry's mom and all this stuff as she was getting on the bus. Like that to me was worse, but I I do understand what you mean. And also too, Ethan, I'm pretty sure there have been some American crowds and fans that have cheered for injuries before. Oh, yeah. If you go to Philadelphia, go ahead. I'd say anytime an injury happens in Philadelphia, you're likely to be (laughs) here cheers. I I can only reference Michael Irwin. Going oh, out, but, yeah, um, pretty sure it didn't get like a concussion or something. Yeah, he was. I'm pretty sure he did get stretched off the field. Yeah, um, and, and they were cheering. So, um, yeah, stay classy, Toronto. But you know, I I, I do want to take a little bit of pause because you know it's not it's not everybody. And to be honest, like I feel like that happens in almost every arena. Yeah, um, maybe not the curse now of Steph's parents. That's that's something I hadn't seen and was not aware mm-hmm. of, but obviously unacceptable. But I did. I did want to mention. Um, by the way, the Blues goalie just stood on his head and got a save. That was insane. Um, I've That's what I've been. <laughs> that's what I've been reading. For those uh, fans who put into the Hero Ball Pod to get some hockey insight, but it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals, and it, it is, born, ladies and gentlemen. All right. All right. It was, let's, let's go ahead. It was at the 11 minute mark of the third period. Yep. Like I, I got it on here on a screen. Like I'm like you know partially watching it, and that was an incre- incredible save. And if I would have been mid sentence, I don't know if I would have made any coherent sense. And it's okay though. That's what we do. Let's press on so you're able to catch at least more of the game. So you brought up your three point shooting stats for the Warriors, and Warriors shooting 47 percent from three, Raptors shooting 25 percent from three. Which it seems like both you and I, and this is something I definitely agree with that. It's almost like an aberration as far as the Raptors going that bad in their three-point shooting. Do you think the looks they were getting were that bad, the Raptors? I don't remember looks being that bad. I do yeah. remember some passes mm-hmm. being seconds late and some hesitation yeah. on jumpers. I specifically mm-hmm. remember Pascal Siakam quarter three, but it looks like he had no interest in shooting it. And that yeah. that scares me a little bit because that's, that's something you don't want to see from a guy who's played confidently most of this postseason. But ultimately, I do believe that their shots will be there and they will make more of them than they miss. And Danny Green, for example, is one of those guys. He is feast or famine. He either has it that night or doesn't. And last night mm-hmm. happened to be one where he didn't have it. Um, yeah. I think, but not not just, like, even if the Raptors shoot 25% again, what are the odds that the, the Warriors shoot 47 again? Especially given the fact that they are no longer going to have three threes from Kevin Durant, who is an expert marksman from downtown. So, yeah. like, it's there's a lot to be considered. Um in that department, I think those twelve minutes that KD played are going to be played by guys who are less shoot better or less good shooters. Don't have any gravity. Like you're going to play off them. Uh, like yeah. you really want Quinn Cook gunning like Kevin Durant? No. You you want Yurko doing that? No. And McKinney obviously not. So there's a lot going into this three point percentage. Um, obviously Clay and Steph played really well. Um, Clay, you can see mm-hmm. Steph getting downhill so early in the game, and that comes from the Kevin Durant. Standing in the corner, standing above the break, you have to stay attached to him. And like those shots aren't going to be here. He's going to be forced into more threes. And if he's on his absolute game, maybe this shot 
can, these stats can be um, duplicated. However, yeah. I, I find it very hard, very hard to see that happening. Yeah, and I'm kind of with you on that. With seeing that Kevin Durant, you can see their offense. I mean, they're a better team with Kevin Durant on the floor. And, of course, we want to daydream now what this finals could have been with a healthy Kevin Durant. And we won't get that unless they match up like two years from now pretty much with the same team, which won't happen because it's the NBA and people move. But for the Raptors, I mean, I'm I'm not as discouraged, even though the Raptors did seem to take the injury harder than the – then the Warriors, I mean, the Warriors, I don't know what their run was. I don't know if you remember, but I know they went on a run right after the injury and they got double-digit lead and they got another double-digit lead later on the game. But it seems like the Raptors at the end of the day, even bad shooting, Kawhi, I mean, he had his spur. It seemed like they weren't really completely out of it. I don't know if that makes sense to you. And if I'm the Raptors, I'm saying, hey, that happened, but we can easily we can go back and win game six in Oracle Arena. We won two already. And it won't be that much of a problem, and I won't put it past them winning it and not having that much of a difficulty. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot to be said for the the Warriors played pretty close to their best game they can do with mm-hmm. a Kevin Durantless team. And when yeah. you're considering the competition, obviously the thirty whatever the record was without Durant when everyone was hyping it up, you know that comes against teams like the Suns, teams like the the I mean the Hawks, the Heat, like that comes against mm-hmm. bad teams. You know, there's that Kevin Durant misses games for rest you know and it's not always going to be against the rockets like even the blazers who i, I remember watching them like playing with kevin durant they lost the game in uh in the motor center so like that stat was kind of flawed in the thought okay yeah you can beat up on a lot of teams in the regular season it doesn't mean a whole lot necessarily for um the postseason and yeah it's it's bearing out now when you're playing toronto in a seven game series yeah and for me you just you you mentioned this Steph Curry just looked so much more comfortable when Kevin Durant was on the floor, and it seemed like he can get to his spots easier and a lot more without much resistance. And, of course, I mean, that's a product of Kevin Durant's there. You have another shooter, and the Raptors got to pick their poison at that. Go ahead. And, Go ahead. and that and that could happen if it was Joe Ingles out there. Now, obviously, Joe Ingles is not the dribble threat that Kevin Durant is. He can't mm-hmm. go get his mid-range jumpers. But just having a 40-some-odd three-point shooter – Spacing you out, that enables steps. Like people who talk about Harrison Barnes not being all that good. I mean, Harrison Barnes shot a credible like 36%. I had to go to his basketball reference page. He pulled up exactly. But the man was a good three-point shooter enough that, you know. He, Kept him honest. Yeah, you didn't just leave him open for no reason. Mm-hmm. And that's so one like, reason why they were successful back in those in those Harrison Barnes days because you had spacing. Go ahead and continue. Well, that's just what I'm going to say. Like you had, you had to – throw a, a hand at him you had to close out and, and and like part of the reasons he would get some some good shots off is because you if you close out really hard he had the ability to go up and yam on you so like there was a lot of there's a lot of options that Harrison Barnes gave you that when you don't have Kevin Durant anymore you don't have it all like Iguodala doesn't replace it because he's not a great great three-point shooter and he, he his off the dribble game has been virtually non-existent um since like honestly, since the uh, 2016 finals, like since the LeBron block, it ended Iggy's like above average athleticism. And just for the record, the season that the Warriors won their first title, uh, this guy Harrison Barnes shot 40 percent from three. The next Ooh. season, he shot 38 percent from three, and that's regular season statistics. But still, like it's it's obvious that he was a threat there. You did not leave him. Yeah, and that's what that's what for me. Like I think of these guys like. I mean, McKenney got some minutes, normally without KD. Obviously, Godala 
got some minutes and it's not the same. You're not going to be able to spread it. And if I'm a Warrior, I think I got to give props to you because you brought it up before game five. You're like, uh, Warriors are going to have heart of a champion. They're not just going to heal over and give up. And you brought that up. You're like, I can't see the Warriors just, they're going to keep it close. And that's what they did. I'll give them that. I don't know if they have another game like that in them for game six. And I'm also worried. One of the things that Draymond Green has those six technicals. So let's just say they win game six, but then Draymond gets another technical. Imagine Draymond being out for game seven. I'm uh, sure you wouldn't mind. I mean, or- I would because I want to watch great basketball, and Draymond Green yeah. can help provide great basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I don't think he's. I think he's going to have the discipline to not do this. I, I would hope. You know, um, Kumbaya Kerr seems to have rubbed off a little bit on um, Draymond Green, and it. Hopefully that persists because they, they need him so badly. They do need him on 10. So he needs to be playing close to that line, but he can't get a technical. It, it's it's cataclysmic if he does. Yeah, that'll be – they know what's happening after that unless the league decides to rescind the technical, which – Which adds over, it's a great time to do it. <laughs> no, but overall, though, like, like throughout it, it seemed like when the Raptors were falling apart, Kawhi, for me, came through. I mean, those – was it two threes? I know one three he hit, like, in rhythm, like, pull-up three. He hit, like, two big threes towards the end. And you can kind of see Kawhi just, just taking over, which at this point for me he is the finals MVP. I don't see if you for you to pick anyone else. But there really wasn't much. I don't know if you got the same sense. There wasn't much the Warriors can do. It seemed like Kawhi kind of flipped the switch and was like, I'm going to get to where I want to get. Yeah, he went on a personal 10-0 run. Oh, which is goodness. very tough to do. Mm-hmm. And um, it ended, I believe, Steph hit a th- – I can't remember if Steph hit a three at this point, but he, Kawhi ended up taking a really bad turnaround mid-ranger that he airballed. Was it in the key, like he was in the key? Yeah, that was the yeah, last, okay. that was the end of his 10-0 run. Mm-hmm. And then it was like uh, Clay three, Steph three, Clay three. It's, there's timeouts in between there. I don't really care about timeouts. I'm not mm-hmm. a good enough coach to, or to, to say, hey, he, you read your team horribly. I will say you didn't don't want to give the other team rest if you have them on the ropes, but you know you know this coach knows his team. Cal Lowry, I, I believe, as people have mentioned, that he was looking for a timeout. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have criticism for that. Yeah, and it's one of them. I mean, that's the NBA. Just momentum swings easily, and even for me, kind of is watching the Splash Bros make those threes. You kind of you kind of expect that to happen. I mean. I didn't even have a doubt in my mind when when Clay made that last three when he pumped fake Kawhi and then he just stepped to the side. I think both you and I are probably watching at the same time. That's like that's going in and you kind of saw that how how it was. And then I will give the Warriors prop at the end. That final possession was probably as best defensively they could have played that yeah. final position. Let's talk about that a little bit. I thought it was mm-hmm. really really smart to blitz that double team early mm-hmm. because um, as someone who fancies himself, even me, like you know, bad pickup player. Um, mm-hmm. I fancy myself pretty good at making tough shots because at the end of the day, like you might block my shot, but I'm not worried about that. Like I'm going to raise yeah. up the way I think I need to, to make the shot. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if the clock's ticking down and you let me get to where, like to where I want to get to and I get to jump in and raise, it doesn't matter if that double's coming. If I can get to that spot and jump, I feel good about my opportunity. But when Kawhi went into his move, like, that double team came so quickly. Like, it came on, like, the first bounce with him moving forward that he, mm-hmm. I think, because a little shook by it that it came so early, and that's why he kicked out. And 
you know, no one else in the Raptors was ready to make a play because this is Kawhi's moment. This is his game, like, you know, not his game seven, but his game winner to, you know, submit the championship for Toronto in Toronto. I don't think anyone else was really ready for him to give up the ball, but you have to be ready. You have to be ready to catch and shoot. Um, one of the things about LeBron James is he he's always been willing to give up a moment if it means it's the better shot, if it yeah, means it's a better play. Yeah, and, and Kawhi I mean, Leonard is the same way the in right that regard. Play. Yeah, I mean, that was the right play. You're getting double teamed, and they had, like, what, like five seconds on the clock, four seconds. That's what you do. You got to pass it. And funny thing is, I know LeBron got crucified when he did. I remember one game against the Pistons where he passed to Daniel Marshall, and they're like, he doesn't have killer instinct. But then you see, I think, Van Fleet gets it, and then he swings it one more time. And yeah. Kyle Irving in the corner. And Draymond, I mean, he did typical Draymond. Like, I'm just going to guard two guys, guarding Gasol and – and Lowry, and I didn't know that was a block on Lowry's shot. I mean, that looked like a horrible shot. Of course, people were like, oh, it's Lowry. He just choked. But I'm like, I like, I'm like, I know Lowry, playoff Lowry's had some issues, but there's no way he's missing a shot that bad. Right. No, yeah. Yeah, unless I saw, unless I would have seen it like a double clutch, I knew that that ball got tipped. And I, I kind of rerounded it back right away. And, and yes, it, it did get tipped. But no, credit the Warriors there because that, that is a mm-hmm. double team with Clay and Iguodala. Those are two. Excellent on-ball defenders. Iguodala, yeah. incredibly intelligent off-ball defender. Clay Thompson, same way. And the, this is the key, though. The, the confidence to do something like that in that moment, to, like, you know, give yourself give, – give the other team a chance to swing, swing, and hit the open guy for, like, potentially an easy bucket. It's, it's risky, but it's the play to make when you have a, a singular weapon that you're trying to stop in Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And that, and for me, where Iguodala came, he it seemed like to me that he forced Kawhi to pass to the side of the floor where the Warriors wanted. Because I know the Raptors wouldn't have preferred it, but Pascal Siakam was completely wide open on the other side and had probably have, would have had a better shot than Kyle Lowry because Draymond was shaded over to the other side of the court. But it seems like they forced all that motion, all that movement, the ball to go one side. And at the end of the day, I mean, you have three guys defensively that – you probably want in the last possession if you want to play defense. You want those three guys, Green, Iguodala, and Thompson being out there. And I give them props for game six. I think, I mean, looking ahead for it, I think we're going to see some energy kind of starting game six from the Warriors. But I don't know, Ethan. It seems like the Raptors had a very off night, only lost by one. That's what it feels like to me. It was a really off night, but they didn't really lose that game by much. So, so funny note, um, in, in our Slack, I was talking up. Mm-hmm. You got to get uh, – I might have turned it off because you, you weren't responding. I didn't want to bug you in case you were you were busy <laughs> with something. But at, at some point I told Richard, um, they got to put Norm Powell in the game. They need energy. Norm Powell bring them energy. And Richard's like, no, no, don't do it. And it, I'm not saying, like, that it was absolutely the reason that they made the comeback. But Norm Powell was plus six. I know a lot of it came with Kawhi's 10-0 run. But Norm but Powell – Brought some energy to the arena, and I'm just curious: um, how much money would Steve Kerr give the uh, the president of Toronto uh, of Canada to to give Norm Powell to the Warriors for Game Six? Just because Norm Powell would be maybe the sixth best player on the Warriors right now. He would be he would be a rotation guy. I mean, if he you would go down- play 30 minutes or more if he was playing for the Warriors right now. Yeah, that's I mean, a, I- it, like that tells you everything about this series is that Norm Powell is getting 12 minutes in a 
potentially ending the series game five for the Raptors, and he would be playing as much as his lungs could take if he was playing for the Warriors right now. Yeah, and for me, it's kind of just those are the way, those are the breaks. That's how everything happens. It seems like Toronto's having the death that you need in the finals. Like the Warriors are struggling to get a sixth man right now. I know Boogie, he has moments, and you saw Boogie small spurt when he came in. Yeah, after he killed Durant. it. I mean, he was just bully ball, but then you can kind of sense that it's hard for him to keep it up. And I mean, you lose so much basketball time, you can't, you can't just come in the finals and do that. I think uh, listening to Bill Simmons' podcast, they call him a double agent with his goaltending, offensive basket interference, and goaltend, and then the moving screen. Which I will say this: the refs called it right. It's just what gets me mad is if you're not going to call it the entire game. Why I call it that? Because that happens almost. I see that type of screen almost every game like it's, throughout it's the entire. Every play, Elkin. It's every yeah, like, play. Yeah, like their hip out, kind of like box the guy out, and then that's that's the pick. So, so they throw their knees out, they lean it out a shoulder, whatever. So like it, I understand why they don't call it every time because you could call it every time and it's, it will slow down the game so much. But I would like to see it be a point of emphasis to get mm-hmm. it to just slow down. And it really started with these Warriors because of how effective screening oh. for Steph Curry and Klay Thompson is. And yeah, Draymond Bogut. Green. Yeah, Bogut and Draymond Green. Draymond Green oh. specifically before he was himself, who he is now. He, he would literally just run into somebody, like shuffle his feet with them, and then go off. Like there's, there's funny videos of people mocking the way he used to set screens. And like it, as, as someone who's not a Warrior fan – and someone who's like looking for ways to make the league fair, I'm like, no, you can't let this happen. They have the two best shooters in the league. You can't let them illegally screen too. But you know, at the end of the day, like it, it happens all the time. It happens every play. Serge Ibaka does it. Marcus All does it. Kyle Lowry does it. I, I did hate to see it in that moment, but I wish it would be called more often so we just get less of it. Yeah, but I'm excited to watch the game tomorrow night. I'm going to be watching it beginning to end. I would, I, would like, so. I would like to see the Raptors pull this one out. But if the Warriors pull it out, Ethan, things are going to get a little spicy for Game 7. Yeah, there will be a lot of tight things in, um, in, Toronto. in Toronto. Oh, boy. In Golden be- State, they've been down this route. They know what a Game 7 means. A lot of those guys have been – their core has played through a Game 7 in the finals. And, and like I said in some of the Facebook um, page discussion regarding this series is – I think the Raptors are going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, Richard and I did pick the Raptors to win the series. Mm-hmm. Now, I was less confident than Richard. However, I, I, I did believe the Raptors had the matchup that even with a healthy Durant, I thought they could overcome it um, based on that he was going to miss some games. Like, I don't think the Warriors are going to win. However, mm-hmm. if there's any two players that you do not want to go up against in terms of if they're on all types of heat check modes, it's Clay and Steph. But in sing- singularity, one of, either one. That's not a word. Singularity, singularly, one. Either one of them, you're just terrified. But both, okay, it, it could get it. It could get scary if one of them just gets hot, hot, hot. I mean, both of them catch on fire. That's all you need. If we remember 2016 Finals, that Game Five, LeBron had 41, Kyrie had 41. I mean, all you need is two teammates to just go ahead and catch fire. But then. Who else is gonna who else is gonna be doing buckets for that team besides Clay and Steph? Because you know Clay and Steph can drop buckets. It's just well, I think right now Steve Kerr is probably searching who else can score for this team. I would like Boogie to come in and give him like 15 points. That would be nice. But 
We boogied all the pens. I, I would say Steph and Clay need to combine for at least 80, which yeah. is possible. It's happened. LeBron and Kyrie good. have done it. But and you it's know, tough. And Clay, we've seen Clay, game six Clay. He has a history of coming coming in through the clutch. But we'll see, Ethan. I mean, do you want to make a, a prediction what you expect to happen tomorrow night, or you're, you're just fine? Raptors not win. Doing- Raptors are going to win. That's my thought. All right. But what I will tell you, Elkin, is that the, the Blues have scored twice more since yep. uh, I last made a thing. And then I've had the game pulled up as well. And then the Bruins got a uh and an, you know they pulled their goalie and scored one. And so it. right. it's it then right now there's just a, an absolute absolute fight going on. If if a miracle has to happen for the Bruins at this point, it was like a minute and a half left in the third period. This is true, but if there's a team that passes the puck really well, it's it's the Boston Bruins. And I say that having watched roughly Seven Bruins games, and they've all been since the playoffs began. Ah. But all right, Ethan, that's all I got for uh, for game five analysis and game six preview. Mm-hmm. I, I'm lost in the hockey. It looks like we lost in the hockey. And on that note, narrow miss on the empty netter.